morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Like John and Ben said, we are really glad that you guys are here uh, to worship uh, with us this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called What's Best Today, and I'm going to be talking about that in a moment, but I just wanted to give uh, everybody an update on our uh, Christmas offering. Uh, each December, uh, we give a Christmas offering to various ministries uh, that we partner with and that we give to. And uh, this year, uh, we've given to a few, and you can see, I don't know if we have those listed on there. Um, we, we have some of those that, that we're giving to, and each year we uh, encourage people to kind of think through um, how they can give. Uh, many of you have, have done that, and so I just wanted to give an update. Uh, our goal was $25,000, uh, and we have actually hit over 30000 So I uh, just wanted to uh, really praise God for that. Let's give God a hand for that. And really, through that, um, God's going to really work. And through people's resources, uh, many of you have given to that even above and beyond what you normally give uh, to Church in the Valley. And so I just wanted to thank you for that. And also, I just want to take a moment uh, real briefly to just pray uh, that this money will be used in a way that will really honor God and advance uh, his kingdom uh, forward. And that's what you find as, as people extend themselves to give and they give to the things that matter to God, uh, he really works. And so I just want to take the time to, to pray that this money uh, will be used in the, the best way to really help as many people as possible, especially really to help people grow uh, to know Christ in a personal way. So will you guys pray with me? God, we do thank you for uh, your presence and the fact that you're here with us. Uh, we don't have to guess about that. Your word has, t- has told us that when we, we gather in your name, you are here. And everywhere that we go, you are here. And so we, we welcome you. And everything that we do this morning, we want to honor you. And we want to draw attention to the truth of who you are and how you work in the world and, and in our lives. And this uh, Christmas offering, really, compared to all the resources, God, that you have at your disposal, this is just really a, a drop. But you will use this. And so, God, we pray that the different ministries that it goes to, that it will really uh, be a blessing and that it will really advance uh, your kingdom uh, here and throughout the world. And so we pray that it will do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I mentioned, we're uh, in the middle of a series called What's Best Today? And we've been looking at the importance of kind of knowing how to live a productive life. And our goal has not just been in theory, uh, but how do you actually uh, commit to doing the things that are important? Commit to doing the things that are going to actually help uh, you make progress. And here at Church in the Valley, we, we really want to measure things against uh, what God himself has said, import, has said is important. And so we've been looking over the last few weeks at what does uh, the, the word of God say we, we need to actually be striving towards? What are the things that we need to be doing? What are the things that we need to be uh, treating people? And we've been looking a lot at the what. What is it that we need to do? And that's really important because if you don't know the what, uh, it's really difficult to kind of have the target. It's really difficult to have the goal in mind. Today, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And instead of just talking about the what do we need to be doing to be productive, we're going to talk about why. Why is it that we can actually live productive lives? What is it that God has done that's actually freed us up to make the most out of each day? And... I've been thinking about this idea of productivity 
And I know for myself, each day I have a measure of whether the day has been a good day or not. And I'm sure you do as well. Is it that from the moment you woke up to the moment you go to bed, like you were busy and you got everything done? Uh, Is it that the most important things you had, you got done, and maybe the less important things you just didn't have time to do, but it it was still a good day? And so there's all sorts of measures that, that we use. And oftentimes we can go from one extreme to the other. We can feel like we've been super productive. We've got everything done on our list uh, that we wanted. And then other days we wake up and we feel like I, I've, not done, I've not done anything. And I just, I've wasted the day. You ever felt like that? Just like you wasted your day and you kind of just a little upset at yourself? We also live in a day and time where because of social media, we have like access to people's just lives in a way that they want to show us. You ever thought about that? Like we, we have no shortage of seeing what other people are doing. And sometimes this can be a huge distraction, especially if people are doing things that you wish you were doing at that certain time. Like every day do you just put at work. It's been a good day at work. No, it's like you want all this exciting stuff and you see it and you're inundated with this information of what people are doing with their day. And some of it's fun and, and some of it's not. Some of it's productive, some of it's hard. And there's just... No shortage of us seeing these snapshots of what life is all about. That's what social media is about. It's like just seeing into the life of somebody in just a little bit of a way. Of course, you don't see the whole picture, but you see this little picture. And and so we, we measure all these things based on what other people are doing, what we're doing, what we want people to know we're doing, what we don't want people to know we're doing, all sorts of things. And so it's really easy to, to get kind of mixed up in, well, what really does make life worth it so today we're going to kind of take this this big picture of like the purpose and we've talked about relating to others last week and the importance of loving people and what that looks like practically and we've looked at kind of the great purposes that god has for us even in the mundane just even the little things matter but why is it that being productive is something that we should do there's a phrase i don't know if you've heard it like netflix and chill you guys have heard of that it's just, it's, it's not something you do, it's a state of mind. Actually, it is something you do, you watch Netflix and you chill. But it's like, that seems like a great life, like Netflix and chill, like let's just watch and hang out together. Sometimes that seems like that would be the best day ever. But have you ever like binge watch a show and you're like, I mean, you're deep into this and you like realize that you haven't gone outside, you don't know what fresh air smells like? Anyone? You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just that, like, oh, there's got to be more than this, even though that, like, seems just like the best life. You just just hang out and you just watch. So we're going to kind of, like, let, let's just really look at, okay, being productive, making the most of our time is something that we value. We have different measures of how we stack up, but why is it that being productive is something that we should actually strive for? And it's kind of counterintuitive because the more productive we want to be, uh, we tend to think all the things that we need to do differently or not do differently, right? We just, okay, I've got to stay the course here, and I've got to shift here, and i just got to be better. got to be more productive. got to get more done. Maybe I need to wake up earlier. Maybe I need to go to bed earlier. We just have all these strategies, and strategies are good. But there's more than that. So that's what I, I want to talk about today. In fact, there's something about our view of God that really does impact the kind of life that we want to live. And each of us has a view of God. We do. It's how we see him. And how we see him determines, like, 
how he relates to us, how uh, his role on earth impacts us and, and those around us. And so if we were made to do good works to the glory of God, which is what we've been talking about, God has to be a factor in our productivity. Because if that's true, that we were made to do good and to give God honor with our lives, if that's what the course of our life is, then, then we have to factor God in. And so our view of God is crucial. Now, for some of us, we view God as a, as a ruthless dictator. We may not say that out loud. We may not have ever told anyone, but we have this thing that God is looking at us with this magnifying glass and he's just looking at every single thing that we do. And at any point he's, he's ready to, to squash us. And so we can tend to live in fear like, okay, I've got to do all this stuff. So God is not going to find fault with me or I have to make sure that I'm keeping up with all these things. So, so God isn't upset at me. And there's this sense that he's, he's micromanaging everything, and he sees. And so that view of God, if he's this ruthless dictator, then, then you live in a tremendous amount of fear. And we, we can do that. Or sometimes he's like the sentimental grandpa. Where I don't know if you've ever had a grandparent, but like when you're a kid, there's something about going to the grandparents where like there's life and reality and real rules, and then you go to grandparents and like there are no rules. I heard, you know, when you're with the grandparents, you, you just eat whatever you want to eat. And my kids certainly experience that as well. Right? That's like the fun. Grandparents, well, sometimes we view God like this. It's a sentimental grandpa. Like, anything we do, he thinks is the best thing. Like, he doesn't care. He just wants us to be happy. He just, want, he just wants us to, to be happy. And he's just proud of us no matter what we do and so you see those are two extremes so the sentimental grandpa is like well it's it's my life to live and i'm gonna live it and he's just proud of me no matter what what i do and we can kind of go through those extremes and this impacts what we do with our time one is is, is fear-based you know like he's gonna squash me the other is he's just he's not really there it's, it's my time it's my life i can i can do do as i please and we, we've experienced this in, in different measures. The reason is, is there is a reality of we live in a broken world. Have you ever been frustrated at yourself because what you wanted to do, you didn't do? That really is part of being in a broken world. Have you ever been frustrated because things that seem like should be so easy, but they're not? Or things with people that you think should be able to just kind of flow easily they don't and there's conflict and there's problems and you have all these issues at work and it's just overwhelming we we live in a broken world and that also impacts our view of god the fact that sin entered impacts how we see god and if the way we see god isn't correct then that really really impacts the kind of life that we live and we talk about this a lot. And you see this theme, this idea of kind of the sin entering the world because it really did change everything. You may ask, well, what does this have to do with being productive? Well, by nature, because sin entered, being productive is actually going to be a struggle the rest of our lives. Making the right choices is going to be a struggle the rest of our lives. It's going to be because sin entered. So just being productive 
is now something that we're all going to be twisted up about. Whether we live in fear of God and how he views us to just ignoring that God is even in the midst of the details of our lives. And we just get swayed by one extreme to the other. But when we talk about, and Christians talk about, Jesus Christ, there's a sense in which it seems like, is that the answer? It seems like Christians, whenever they talk about things, it always comes back to Jesus. What, why, why is that? What you find in the scriptures is that even though sin entered and things got messed up and the life that God wanted to have for us isn't going to happen, Jesus came to make things right. Jesus actually came to give us the correct view of who God is. And he's neither the ruthless dictator or the sentimental grandpa. He's actually the God who loves us. And because of his love for us, he can and will, as we choose to do life his way, make us actually productive people that accomplish things in the world. So the very thing that we got kind of sidetracked because of our own sin through Jesus Christ we can experience the life that he intends. Now, it's not going to be perfect. We all can attest to that. Things still get messed up. Relationships still are a struggle. Getting out of bed sometimes is just a complete drag. But if we forget who God is, and it's so easy to do from one day to the next, if we forget who God is, it's really hard to get traction in life. So I want to talk a little bit about what the scriptures say God has done for us. And as you dig into what the scriptures say God has done for us, that actually gives us what we need to be productive people without pressure, without guilt, and without shame, and even without apathy. And so all this is is really important. This is why... It's so important to read the scriptures, because as you read the scriptures, you get a clearer picture of who God is. And so I want to spend some time this morning looking at the book of Titus. And Titus is a book written to kind of explain uh, who God is, how he operates in the world, and, and how that can motivate us. So it's actually a lot of what we're talking about today, how to find the right motivation. And it begins with the grace of God. So God's grace fuels the joy that empowers good works. Now, even by that statement, sometimes we don't feel the joy when we think about the good that we need to do in life. There, there maybe isn't joy. Maybe, maybe just it feels monotonous. Like, I don't want to get up and choose to love people. I don't want to go to work and handle my responsibilities and just do a good job. I, I just want to just check out. So if you're feeling like that and you're just feeling unmotivated, my hope is that today's message, you'll get a new picture of God and how that can motivate you in new ways. And it begins with this. It's God's grace that actually fuels the joy, the sense of meaning, the sense of purpose to do the good that he wants us to do. So Titus 3, 4 through 8, I'm going to read that and then I'm going to kind of break it down. Okay, it says this, you can see it on the screen. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration 
and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to stop right there. When he's talking about he saved us, it goes back to the fact that sin entered and everything was messed up. It didn't go how God thought. Because Adam and Eve, the original man and woman, decided they, they wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to exercise their own will outside of the will of God. So this is saying, but when that goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, when Jesus came, he came to save us from that path of our own will, from our own measure of being productive, from our own view of of how we are okay in our life. And we all have that. What what is it that makes us okay? What is it that makes us uh, matter? What, What is it that makes us important? And we all have a a different version of that. And it's impacted by what we grew up, hearing from those that love us, our parents, what we were told in school, our own experiences. All those impact the measure of how we stack up. And so this is just kind of wiping that slate clean. No matter how you stack up, there's the sense in which God, because of his grace, saved us from that. And it goes on, his initiative, his own mercy through the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then verse 7 goes on. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is completing the thought of what he saved us. Justified means that we're, we're okay. Despite our sin, the grace of God wipes us clean. We, we are clean because of what God has done through Jesus. We become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are, are excellent and profitable for people. And so you see there's this dichotomy that exists. The fact that we were saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And it was God's initiative And God's doing that allowed us to experience that new life. But then the second part of this passage is explaining the importance of doing good in the world. And so this dichotomy is there's everything in us that wants to be good and do good and earn God's approval. But we can't because of sin. And what the passage is saying, but through Jesus Christ, we've been saved from that wheel of just spinning like a hamster and not going anywhere. And through Jesus Christ, when you turn to follow him, you actually can devote yourselves to the good work. So the very things that we want to do for God's approval, we can't. And when you realize that, you can actually do the good. You see what I'm saying? We spin our wheels. We want to please God in our own way. We want to be good enough. When you get to the point where you realize you're not good enough, you actually can be good. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. So this is like crucial to our, our understanding of how God works. Because everything in us, again and again, fights against this. When we mess up, oftentimes, we go back to what Adam and Eve did in the, the Bible. 
When Adam and Eve sinned, do you remember what they did when they first sinned? What did they do? They hid. They hid. They hid from God. Why? They were ashamed. They knew they'd messed up. And so they, they hid. It was just, I don't want God to see us. We've, we've messed up. And we do the same thing. We aren't as productive as we want to be. We don't treat people as good as we, we should have. Uh, we don't handle our responsibilities. We fail. We have pressure that people put on us. We don't meet those expectations. And we just we have this burden of guilt. And we want to hide from God. We want to hide from others. And this is how people live. All of us, we struggle with this. Of how do I be good enough? And so what happens is the deal with productivity is so much more than just what you do in a day. Because what we do in a day usually becomes our identity. I've accomplished this and we build a resume of it. I went to this school and I got this degree and I got this job. And I have this family, I have this income, I have this house in this neighborhood. And these are all the things of like, look, I'm, I'm good. I, I've, I've stacked up the right things. What the scriptures are saying is that actually doesn't help us at our core. You can attain all that, but still feel empty. So this is going to the, the idea of where you get your meaning. It's not just be, from being productive. It's by connecting to Jesus Christ, and then you can experience productivity in a, in a whole new way. So I want to just unpack this a little bit more based on this passage. So the first idea that you find there is that uh, in, the, in the verse, uh, the first verse, I think it's verse 4, it says, His goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared. What you find from that is the idea that God's goodness is motivating. So if you want to kind of discover who God is, it begins with, he's good. And why is that important? Have you ever had a boss that wasn't good? I mean, actually, don't. I went like this, like share. Don't share. Because we, we could be here a while, right? Well, we've all experienced that. Somebody like in authority over us that we wouldn't say they were good. In fact, we'd say they're, maybe they're rotten. Maybe they're bad. Maybe they just put so much expectations that you could never meet up to them. If you've experienced that, is that motivating? No. Is fear motivating? No. Is pressure motivating? Well, it can be, but over time, pressure is not the greatest motivator. Guilt is not a good motivator. Guilt does not motivate us. What the scripture is saying is the only thing that actually motivates you to want to be the person that God wants you to be is not the guilt that he puts on you. It's not the expectations that he puts on you. It's actually his goodness and his love. As you experience that, you realize that God loves you in a way that no one can ever love you. And he will help you in a way that no one can ever help you. It's putting this this get, this lid on our personal relationships it's even putting a a lid on our experiences however important those are and it's saying that god's goodness and love is above that good and bad whatever the experience that we've had good or bad god is is above that and that is is motivating once you see his goodness and his love you're motivated in new ways the second part 
is that God's mercy uh, makes us right, not our own good works. And we, we've talked about this. And I don't know about you, but when I go through a good, you know, a, a day, I'm trying to measure it like, again, was it good, was it not? And oftentimes without even realizing, I, I have these kind of sense of things that I did and, oh man, I, sh- I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Like that was wrong to that person and, oh, I shouldn't have made that choice. Like I know that that was wrong and, and all of a sudden, like I can, I can be laden with guilt Guilt is this, this, this powerful, powerful emotion that can just suffocate us. And so oftentimes, when I make a bad choice and when I do something that's wrong, I think, oh man, I'm in this hole. And maybe the hole is like three feet deep. Like, it's not burying me, but it's hard to move in a three foot deep hole. So then I think, well, I've got to crawl out of it. And I got to make sure that the good I do is better than this three foot hole of wrong I've done. And so I think, well, I, I got to kind of make this bigger hole of the good. And I just sit in that and say, look, I was three feet in that, but I'm like four and a half feet in the good. And we do that without realizing it. it's like, OK, I messed up. OK, I got to do good. And then you do good and you feel good. And then you kind of just mess up again. Oh. I got to do good. And we just keep digging our hole of the good things. And then we go back in the slop of the bad things. And we just start in and out of these, these holes. And what this is saying is that it's not the life that God wants for us. That is based on, on works. But it's his mercy that saved us. And the passage says this. He saved us not because... Of works done by us. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard that at least 50,000 times. If you've not grown up in church, you kind of have the sense of like, well, yeah, like. Seems like Christians think we're bad. God's good. And it's maybe in the general sense. But we have this, this picture of not because of works done by us. Like, it's not what you do. But we, we don't believe that, I think, a lot in how we live. Because primarily, guilt is still one of our motivators in life. Like, when we feel bad, we want to make it up. When we wrong somebody, we think, well, how can I make it up to them? And that is very overwhelming. And you can walk with God a long time and still battle that idea of trying to impress God. Or trying to make up for the wrong we've done. But this verse says, not because of works done by us. You can't dig yourself out of the hole. You can't. It's a canyon that you cannot bridge I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but that kind of puts it in perspective. When you see the Grand Canyon, you see this side and that side. That's just a small picture of God's love and mercy stacked up against our good works. He's far bigger than our own self-effort. And he's far more productive than we are. And so this is siding with him and realizing that, God, I'm, 
I'm not going to try to earn or create my own self-effort and my own self-worth. I'm not going to try to be good enough. I'm not going to try to appear good enough. I'm going to allow you to define me. I want to say that again. I'm going to allow you, God, to define me. That's the core of Christianity. We're not defined by ourselves. We're not defined by our parents. We're not defined by our professors. We're not defined by our friends. We're not defined by the church. We're not defined by the state. We're not defined by the country. And I I don't have any of these written. I'm just seeing how long I can say that. And I think I'm done. But you get the point. We don't believe that a lot of times in reality because of how we live. We are always battling this. We want to be defined by all these things, or we think we should be. Scripture is saying it's, it's the mercy of God. But again, the passage, like I said, it flips. So we can't earn it, and we can't define how good we are based on our own works or anyone else's definition. But, and this is, this is important, but the passage says, but it does matter what you do. Because this is the other extreme. Well, if it doesn't matter what I do... And I can do whatever I want. Right? If it doesn't matter, then it seems like there's a free-for-all. And that's oftentimes the view of Christianity. Jesus wipes away all your sin, therefore sin, and he keeps wiping it. Right? That's a lot of times the, the core of Christianity. It's this picture of what God saves us from, which is true. He saves us from works. But what it lacks is what does he save us from? For he saves us from works, but he saves us for works. What? Huh? Hey, what? But it's true. Because if it, Christianity was just about, it doesn't matter what you do in your life. Jesus has saved you. Then you just have this blank slate. And you think, well, then I'm just going to live life. However I want. But we're missing the purpose for which we are saved. The purpose for God that he intends for us. And you actually find the very thing, again, that doesn't save us. Once we're saved, we can do. And it says uh, in verse 5, he saved us not because of works done for us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. I've said that. So God's work makes us free. To do good works, verses 7 says this, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So again, we become heirs. We're we're now a part of God's kingdom. We're we're part of what, what he's doing. And the picture is eternity. We're not condemned. We now can connect to God's big plan for the world that and that's all for people to to know him and to experience this eternal life not separated from god but to know him but if you dig into the scriptures it it kind of is explained even more fully titus 2 14 the chapter before this says this it's talking about jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people For his own possession, who are zealous for good works. 
You get like this, this is something you have to get your mind around. Because the very thing that we like battle and the hamster wheel that we're on, like I got to be good enough. I got to do good enough. I got to think good enough. I got to approve my self-worth. I got to make sure I'm okay. I got to define this. 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 And you realize like you don't. There's nothing that you can do that bridges the canyon, again, of our sin. You need the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. But then here you get this picture of what that allows us to do. It actually, once we have realized that we don't have to earn God's favor and please this dictator that actually he loves us despite what we've done. He's accepted us despite what we've done. There you have freedom. Because you realize if, if everything was contingent on what we did, like being good enough, isn't that completely out of self-interest, right? If our purpose and like value in life is based on what we did, then everything we do, are doing is to prove that we are good enough, which is basically self-interest. When you realize that you can't prove that you're good enough because we're not good enough, it now gets to the reality of who we are. And that is a broken people that can be saved by Jesus Christ, which actually brings restoration for us to do good. Zealous for good works. Zealous is like, we don't use that word really, but it's like you're, you're fired up about something. You know what I mean by like fired up? Like it, it excites you. It motivates you. You, you want to be a part of it. You know, like, like a football game. You know, when you go to a football game and you love football, like say, you know, you like, there's a college you like and they play football. I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about, but there's like a college around here and we all get fired up about them. And you're zealous. Like that's like a fan. You're, you're zealous. Like I love the game. I want to be at the game. I want to be with everyone at the game. And you're fired up about it. We don't usually attribute this to like doing good, but this is what a Christian is supposed to be. Someone that, that you're fired up about serving people. Like you're fired up about serving in the church. You're fired up about going to church. Is that anybody ever, right? It's like Sunday. Don't you, I know what you guys think. I think it like, could service be like a three and last Five minutes and be virtual every other week. You know, we're not zealous. Often it's like, oh, I, I got to do that. I got to wake up. I got to stay late. And it's just, oh, we're overwhelmed. It's very easy because, again, sometimes we're just basing it. And I got, I got to do this. If I don't do it, I'm, I'm not, not doing what I should. Without realizing it, we've taken this weight of I just got to be good enough. Got to do all these things. Got to jump through these hoops. What this is saying is when you get back to the core of what God has done for us, then it actually frees you up to do the things that he wants you to do. Because it's not about guilt. It's not about pressure. He's given you the power to do what he's asked you to do. And if you mess up and you're not as productive, he's not going to squash you. Because he loves. He loves us. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is, is a passage that we, we talked about. And I, I want to kind of close out on, 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 this, on this note. And you, you may have heard this before. You remember it from a few weeks ago. But it says this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. This is a summary of what Titus is saying. So should we be productive? Yes. But our motivation isn't to earn a reputation. Our motivation shouldn't be to earn God's favor. Our motivation to do good shouldn't be what people think of us. Our motivation is that we've been changed by the grace of God. And since I don't have to do all this to be accepted by him, I can do it freely. Because I'm loved and accepted by God. So everything is contingent on how God sees us and what God has done. So really, we can accomplish Things in the world that God wants done. Why? Because God is doing it through us. It's not about us. It's not about our own strength. It's not about our own priorities. It's not about our own angle on things. Why? Because we will boast. Self-serving. And this passage captures it's this gift. God has saved us. And because of that, we can accomplish the things that he wants. It's because of him. So as I wrap up, there's a, a couple things I'm just thinking about in my own life. First off, if, if you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, this, this perspective is crucial for your understanding. One, you can't be good enough to become a Christian. Like there's nothing that you can do. Where you're ready. Like sometimes you think, well, I've got to get this down in my life before I can turn my life over to God. I've got to accomplish this before I can. And we always have these things that we need to do before. But the very essence is there's nothing that you can do except understand what he's done for you. And so you may still have questions about that. You need to wrestle with it. But if you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, you will never be able to get to this life that we're describing. Because you hit the wall of self-effort again and again and again. So I want you to consider what, what's holding you back. What's making it so you, you just can't believe that's true. And that's where you need to ask God to, to speak to you. And he will. Second is, for those of you that, that are Christians, you really need to think through your motivation. And how are you viewing God right now in your life? Because we each view him in a certain way. And are you just more kind of overwhelmed by the burden of all the things that you have to do for him that it's taken the joy out of what he's done for you? And I know for me, this is a battle. Sometimes I forget this. And there's just all the things I need to do in a day to be a good Christian. But I forget, what has God done for me? 
And when you get that perspective, it really flips everything. And so you, you just want to you wrestle uh, with these things. There's some next steps on your connection card, and we, we do these each week. And what I've just mentioned is, is a part of that. But if you want to take a next step today, I encourage you to do that. Just This is your, okay, this week I'm going to think differently about something, or I'm going to do something. Again, you don't do next steps because if I don't do a next step, God's not going to be pleased with me. You do it because his grace allows us to do it. And so if you want to pull out your connection card, you can fill out a next step. I'm not going to go over each one, but you'll see those on the right-hand box. And as the band comes up, uh, we're going to be singing another song, and we're going to be receiving our offering, and you can drop that completed uh, connection card uh, in there. So let's pray. And I just want to take the time to, to really thank God for what he's done on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, I, I do thank you for the truth of how you see us. And I just thank you for the work that you have done. You have made it so we can actually live life in a way that is productive and we can live life in a way that pleases you and uh, we can discover the purpose for which we're made. And outside of you, we, we cannot. And so I thank you that you have taken the initiative and you have provided the ends and the means for us to get really right with you and also for us to experience the life that you've intended. God, forgive us for being more motivated by what others think of us. Forgive us for being motivated more by guilt or shame. And God, help us to realize that, that it is your love that takes the pressure off of self-performance. And it's also your love that compels us to do what you want in the world. So help us to realize that and show us if there's anything that we're doing that's not in line with how you see us. So we ask that you'll do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.